Today's scripture reading is from uh, the book of 1 John, the fourth chapter, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 12. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Good morning, Hope family. And good morning to you who are uh, either watching or listening online at some point, either this morning or at another time. So we are continuing our series uh, called The Disciple Jesus Loves. And just by way of reminder, each and every one of us can can call that, you know, can say that of ourselves, that, that Jesus loves us. But this is one of those ways in which John referred to himself in his gospel. And so, and we're, we've already found that his letter talks a lot about love, and it's going to continue to talk a lot about love as we continue in this fourth chapter as well. Sean, it's a pleasure to do, do this again with you. We, we thought we would bring some of the energy that we have in our podcast and, and from time to time team teach on a Sunday morning. So it's fun to be able to do this together again, uh, especially if we got, especially after our family being able to celebrate um, a, a romance, uh, a love relationship with uh, Sierra and Daniel getting married last weekend. And so it was really fantastic for us as a family to be able to, to focus on them and, and that event. But now it's great to be back with you, our Hope family. Well, thanks, Johnny. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it is kind of neat to, to do this with, with Johnny. Um, not only do we get to have the pleasure of down in Studio 1A of doing this, but... Uh, <laughs> A lot of times when we prep our podcast, Johnny does his thing, I do my thing, and somehow we just, it just flows. And so when he asked, hey, Sean, let's do this on Sunday, July 31st, it was like, okay, so I prepped my thing, and then he preps his thing. We email each other, and it's like, it's almost the same thing. It's really kind of weird how God does that for us. And we can interject, and it's it's really kind of neat to do this whole podcast with Johnny. Um, and, and I really do want to thank Hope Church for for giving us that platform to do that. Um, 
And what's really interesting as we go through John's letters is how when he wrote these, you know, just a couple of years ago, when he, when he <laughs> penned and inked these and marked them all up, how relevant they are today. Yeah, absolutely. And what we see today in this world and what he saw in that world at the times, how similar. It's really, it's almost scary. And, and I always say that the, this book that I'm holding here, or maybe you have it downloaded on your tablet or in your phone. And yes, I am referring to the Bible. I had to stand up a little bit. My Bible just kept weighting it down, which was good. But it's full of mysteries. It's a great book, and it's full of mysteries. And we talked, uh, you know, when we had our last series talking about Henry Blackaby's book, um, Experiencing God, he just briefly mentions about the Holy Trinity. And it's amazing how this Holy Spirit that wants to dwell in us and that has this yearning to be with us is the interpreter of this Bible and reveals the mysteries that God has written in these Bibles. If you just read it, you're not going to have a clue of really what you're looking at. It's great. It's fun. But to really truly understand some of the things that are in here, you have to have that spirit dwell inside of you. So I love the way that John just writes. And John writes these letters almost like he's writing to me. Hmm. A very simple way. He removes a lot of mysteries. He removes a lot of guesswork in his writings. Um, so I'm just going to get right into this. We're going to be covering chapter 4 today uh, of 1 John. So just starting in the first verse. John once again telling us how, how nice we are and what we mean to him, starts off by just saying, dear friends. Yeah, and I love how John refers to his readers because we are, we've already seen that he'll refer to them as little ones, you know, my children. Uh, and just by way of reminder, he's uh, probably the last remaining apostle, the last person who has ever uh, touched Jesus, heard Jesus, experienced Jesus. Um, and But he, the NIV, the newer way that it's being translated is dear friends, but I love how some translations say beloved, and we're going to bring that out in a moment. But you just get this sense that he truly loves those he's writing to. And just think about, you know, the messages that you might give to those that you dearly love. Well, this is John's motivation for why he wants to write those he dearly loves. Yeah, so he continues on, do not believe every spirit. Well, what do you mean by that, John? He says, but this is key. I, I love these next two words. But test, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Well, like I said, why is that, John? Why do you tell us these things? And he continues, because many false prophets have gone out into this world. Now, I know that we have been told to love everyone, and we're going to get into more about loving a little bit later. God sent his only son into the world to love it. I mean, we're to love. He's, God loves the world. God loves the world, loves everything in the world. God created this world. But if we go back into chapter 3 of 1 John, in the 13th verse, John tells us, hey, love everyone, but don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. The world is going to hate you. This is why there are false prophets. 
So I always say, hey, John, thanks for the warning. But how can I tell if there's false prophets? Once again, John says, don't worry. I'll tell you right here. No mysteries, no nothing. This is how we will know if they have the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. And just by way of reminder, there was a, a thought that people were uh, passing along to others just about who Jesus was and what he did. And so John, because he dearly loves them, he wants them to make sure that that what they know is true about Jesus is coming straight from those eyewitnesses that were with him. And so there, you know, there was a teaching in his day. They were teaching false, uh, false things about Jesus. And so he's making sure to correct that and, and, and to tell them, listen, there is a way, there is a test where you can identify people who are accurate about who Jesus is. And, and this is the test. Yeah. In, in my version of the Bible, which, you know, it just differs a little bit. It says, but if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, and we'll get into that, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. Now, the key words to this, in my opinion, when I read this, is acknowledge the truth of Jesus. Acknowledge the truth of Jesus. I really want to focus on the truth. When John wrote this letter, it was during a time when you had people preaching the word of God and was twisting it just enough. And that never happens today, right? Uh, yeah. Just enough. They were twisting it to fit into the world's beliefs. I know. I can hear you. I can hear the people online screaming at us right now, Johnny. <laughs> hey, that's exactly what's happening today. Like I said, John wrote this just a few few years ago, and here it is happening today. Verse 4, and I don't know if you've got this one up there, Johnny, but verse 4 is almost like our claim to victory because it says, but you belong. You belong to God, my dear children. You have already won the victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. Yeah, and so let me go back in terms of the tests, because I think there are a lot of voices even today where uh, we need to test the spirits. And just realize that what John is talking about, he is talking about those false prophets, but they are speaking not just from their own point of view, but John is recognizing that there is a spiritual battle there are spiritual authorities that want to drive us away from the truth and drive us away from Jesus Christ. There are times where um, we or uh, maybe friends or maybe you hear of someone having some kind of spiritual experience and we need to test every single experience that we go through because it's possible that we could go through, we could have, um, we, we think that God is speaking to us because we have some kind of emotional reaction or, or we start moving in a certain direction. We need to test every thought, test every voice, not, not only those who are teaching falsehood, but sometimes we even need to test our own 
thoughts as well. Johnny and I talk about this almost every week in our podcast. We tell our listeners, and if you've listened to it, which I'm sure everybody in here has listened to our podcast because we have very faithful followers, you know, Johnny. (laughs) But we always encourage people to don't take our word for this stuff. Don't take, just because we have a podcast does not mean we have authority and complete authority and have complete understanding of what's written in here. We encourage our listeners to question things, to look things up, to find out, to put us to the test. And we encourage you to do the exact same thing, whoever sits and stands up here and preaches to you on Sunday. Put those words to the test. Look things up. Find out what is going on. So testing these spirits or testing these voices are really the responsibility of every Jesus follower. You know, you've got to make sure that you are in the word because um, if you continue to be in the word and continue to be taught and to teach yourself, you're going to be able to recognize when something just doesn't seem right. And so it is, it is the responsibility of each and every one of us who calls ourselves a Jesus follower, that we are following the teachings of Jesus. We're, we're reading his teachings. We're putting them into practice. And, you know, we've got other places in scripture, like 1 Corinthians 14, 29, um, talking about how we need to, to judge the words of one another. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, that we need to test all things and to hold fast to what is good. But testing, testing truth is a work that we all do. It's why it's such a great thing for us to be in partnerships, whether you are getting together with one other person to go through scripture together, or you're in a small group of people, that together you teach one another, and this is just such a really good thing for us. But specifically, John is saying that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. He's saying that true prophecy, true teaching will present a true Jesus. And in John's day, the issue was about if Jesus had truly come in a real body of flesh and blood. You know, we referred to this uh, a couple weeks ago, but there were um, people who called themselves the Gnostics, where they felt like they had this special gnosis, knowledge, that, that once they had that experience of knowledge that, that they, you know, they were espousing different things. They were teaching different things about Jesus. But there were these, these Gnostic influenced teachers that said Jesus actually being God could never have actually come in flesh and blood. He was never actually a human being. And because God could have no partnership, that the, the divine can have no partnership with the flesh. And they said that the flesh is, is evil. Uh, James Montgomery Boy said this. He said, this statement would be directed against some form of docetism, the view that Christ was a spirit who only seemed to be a true man. And today, uh, you know, you can even see this in, in um, other religions where, you know, religions and groups that deny that Jesus is really God, such as Jehovah's Witnesses. Maybe you've had some come to your door. I, it was kind of fun when they would come to my door as a teenager. My mom would thought, think that she needed to save me from them and, you know, try to, you know, oh, do you have something to do? That's okay, mom. I can handle that. <laughs> and so, you know, they'd come to the door and I would talk to them. But the one thing that they wanted to refer to is that, you know, that first verse in, uh, John chapter one about Jesus actually being, um, Yes, of the flesh, but he is also God in the flesh. But you have Jehovah's Witnesses, you have Mormons, you have Muslims. And, and so back in John's day, uh, in this time closest to the actual life and ministry of Jesus on this earth, 
people didn't have a hard time believing that Jesus was God. They had a hard time believing that Jesus was man. And so the false teaching that John was dealing with wasn't that Jesus was God. It was that Jesus was flesh and blood. And today, I, I, I love that we're passionate about this. I love that we sing about this, about Jesus being God, that he is divinity, and, and we should be. But it's no less important for us to say that Jesus was fully man. Because so much is linked to that. Because You know, when, when the scripture writers are encouraging us in our own troubles, they would remind us that Jesus was tempted the way that we were, tested the way that we were. He went through all the same things that we went through because he was flesh and blood. That did not make him less God because he is flesh and blood. And so every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, John says. And something that this is the only test of false doctrine, it's not the only test. But it was a significant issue in John's day that was challenging the church in his time. And today a person might confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, yet they deny that he is God as the Bible teaches I don't know if you've ever been through a supermarket and you see, especially around Easter time, they will have these um, articles, long articles about Jesus and about these um, so-called authorities who are saying that they are trying to discover the true Jesus. I've read uh, one book about someone who said, I am attempting to find out the true Jesus. What they mean by that is they take out some of those things that they don't believe were actually written about Jesus, that they were actually written after Jesus. And so they're trying to look for the true Jesus. Now that is about, to follow their teaching is just about as foolish as a couple people who are eyewitnesses to an accident and they can, they can describe it in detail. And they, they've got written accounts. They, this, is, this is on record as to how this accident took place. But then 10 years later, somebody hears about this accident and says, no, I think it really happened this way. That's hearsay, and that's false. And so what we have in scriptures, and John would call himself this, other writers would call themselves this, they are the eyewitnesses of Jesus, what he said, what he did. And they were, they were persecuted, and most, if not all, were killed, not because of what they believed, but because of what they said they saw, and they heard, and they touched with their very hands. John is going to go into this, and I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, he talked about the Antichrist in chapter 2. He's talking about the Antichrist here, and more the spirit of the Antichrist, we are going to... I'll let you know when the Antichrist is coming <clears throat> because we are, that's going to be in, oh, there we go, in chapter, uh, in Second John chapter 1 where we will deal with the topic of not only the person of the Antichrist but the spirit of the Antichrist as well. And so we'll get into that in a moment. But he's ta- he was talking about the fact that the spirit of the Antichrist is now already in the world. That spirit that is anti-Christ, that is anti-God, and even anti-Christians is in this world. But he says, listen, you are of God, little children. I love that 
He's, you know, just reminding us of who we are. And you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever heard that passage before? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You see, we have this assurance of victory. This isn't, this isn't a pep talk. This isn't a pipe dream. This is John saying that because Jesus, the living presence of God, is living inside of us, no matter what is going on around you or sometimes even within your mind, but no matter what is going on around you, you have the presence of God within you to overcome anything that is coming against you. And that's awesome, awesome news, not only for John back in his day 2,000 years ago, but, but especially in our day now. Because anything that we face in this world, we need to remind ourselves of the one who is living inside of us. So if we go on to verse 5, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. And just by way of reminder, when we dealt with this a couple of weeks ago, when he's talking about the world, he's not talking about this massive humanity of yeah. men, women, boys, and girls. Uh, you know, he's not talking even about creation itself, but he's talking about that, that system that seeks to dethrone God and, and seeks to be God itself. And so we just need to be wary. We need to, we just need to watch for it in our own lives. Yes, we live in the world, but we need to make sure that the world and its values and its systems is not living in us. Which, I mean, it's so true today. <laughs> it happens. I mean, I, I kid you not. Is this not happening today in what we deal with on a daily basis, what we get from, you know, from, from the world's view? is what we hear. Um, but what's really sad, and this is what really scares me the most, is not only are, are these people out in the world, but a lot of these people are standing in front of people on Sunday mornings. They're preaching this from the pulpits. And they're changing. We have religions that are changing their mission's view to, to match what the world's view is. And we, we talk about the coming of the Antichrist, and through some of our studies, this is like the beginning of all of that, is how the church itself, it's going to come from within the church. And this is how we put these things to the test on who we're listening to and why we're listening to them. Because if it's not, if it's not written by God, be very aware. Be weary of what you're listening to. I'm sure that all of us, when we were younger, maybe we went through this, but um, as I've been getting back involved in coaching, I'm just hearing of some of the things, especially with the environment that we're now living in, where um, it feels like because of what's been happening, people are at each other's throats more so than maybe at any other time uh, in our nation's history. Um, but you've got teenagers who are um, no longer friends with people that they had grown up close to because of what's been happening. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's disheartening, you know, and, and we're really trying to, to help them to focus on uh, what's important. And though there may be some disagreement over what you think and what you believe, you can still treat each other uh, with a level of love and, and respect. 
And I was, um, you know, so John is saying they are of the world, you know, these false prophets, these false teachers, also those, those spiritual forces of evil that Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter six, obviously, you know, of, of the world. Um, but they are of the world and, and those who are of the world are evident because they speak from the viewpoint of that world. And so, you know, if you're in a public school right now, if you're in a public place where you're working, you know, I would imagine that you maybe get into some discussions, maybe even disagreements over what's truth or what's happening in our own environment. But there is a viewpoint that continues to be uh, communicated by the world and those in the world and its systems. And there's a viewpoint of those who would follow Jesus and follow the scriptures. Uh, just and, and it's kind of weird because you think about how this world has this viewpoint of God and what you should think of when when he, when they talk about God. They have a viewpoint that is somehow some way better than God's viewpoint of who God is. That's kind of kind of odd and kind of strange, but that's what they want you to believe. So they know and understand God better than Jesus did. Cause what did Jesus do when he was on, when he was doing his preaching, when he was talking and he was just saying exactly what the prophets had told everybody to begin with? And he just fulfilled it. But the world doesn't want that understanding. The world has something else for you to see and hide and they don't want you. It's almost like uh, the Wizard of Oz, you know, don't look behind the curtain. Don't look back there. I don't want to reveal the truth to you. I just want to reveal some of the truth so you will believe me. Some of the best lies that people will ever tell you have some truth in it. So I was talking to a friend where I work out, and he was talking about how um, his kid's school had sent out an email about there were, I don't know, a list of three to five things that they were not allowed to do or to say um, in that school environment. And he was really perplexed by it because he was asking his kids, he's like, what, what, what does this mean? I, I don't get this. And, you know, there are um, kids nowadays where, uh, you know, maybe they were born a boy, they're now identifying as a girl, or born a girl and now identifying as a boy. Uh, this is brand new to me. There are kids um, in these schools who are now identifying as animals, and the schools, um, at least this one public school that, that his kids are in, are encouraging it by, oh, this person identifies as a cat, as a pet cat. And so, you know, they wear the, the cat ears, and, and, you know, the teacher has like a, a food dish, uh, like a kitty cat food dish near their desk and, and that kind of thing. And it's like, oh, I've, that's a new one on me. I haven't heard that before. But this is where it takes, man, if, if there was ever, um, you know, when you think about how John outlines his letter and he's talking about all these different things that are going on in our world, that our response has to be love. And we'll get to that yeah, in a moment. And, and so there's things in the Bible that are complete mysteries to us. Am I right? Hmm. I mean, and what's really interesting is how the world wants to try to make you understand on their level what it means. 
how they want to uh, carbon test rocks to tell you exactly how old uh, that rock is. It's millions of years old. Or uh, most people that are part of the Antichrist want you to, they, they'll explain things to you the way that they think they are. Um, they will try to disprove what you believe and that, you know, just because it doesn't make sense to them. I see it in some religions that all of a sudden they believe Jesus, but they don't believe everything in the Old Testament. So therefore, you don't have to walk, you don't have to believe this part. Don't believe that this battle happened. Don't believe that Moses didn't, cro- didn't part the Red Seas, that it was just a low tide. That's all it was, a low tide that just let them all cross, and then all of a sudden, high tide raises, so it just washed out everybody else. It just happened that way. It, it didn't really do anything other than that. I, I'm going to say, folks, there's mysteries in this Bible that one day God's going to reveal it all to you. One day. It may be the day that you're promoted to glory, and then it's revealed, and will you really care at that point? All God has ever asked us to do from the very beginning, from the very beginning, is to obey him. That's all he has ever asked us to do. Trust me and obey me. I'll reveal this stuff to you when you're ready for it. But So let there be mysteries. Don't understand it. It's okay to not understand something. But it's okay to test what somebody else says. Just because they say, well, that's what it means, or it really didn't happen. If it's in here, if God spoke it, it happened. I think that's really some of the stuff that we really have to believe. And now we hear that, yes, Jesus walked on this earth, but he really wasn't the Son of God. I've heard that. So John has said that whoever is not from God does not listen to us. The us that John is referring to would be himself and those apostles. Um, You know, so long as any pastor, preacher, professor, teacher, whatever, are following what John and the rest of the other apostles were teaching and communicating, then fine, you could probably link those teachers in with the us. But John is saying you know, listen to us, listen to me, listen to those eyewitnesses, because we are the ones who know the truth about Jesus. Uh, uh, James Montgomery Boyce said this, he said, if, if this were a mere individual talking, the claim would be presumptuous, but it is not. This is one of the apostles citing the collective testimony of all the apostles and making that testimony the measure of truth and sound doctrine. The measure of truth and sound doctrine are not your pastors. They're not anybody you listen online or may listen in person. The the measure of truth and sound doctrine are those eyewitnesses that wrote down what the Holy Spirit wanted them to communicate to the rest of the world. So he says, you know, dear friends, this is where it's like, Okay, so, you know, we need to make sure that we're testing the spirits, we're testing these voices, maybe even the voices that are within us, the voices that are around us. And, you know, what happens when the world is coming at us and they don't understand us and they're yelling at us and, you know, we're just, it, it just seems like we're, we're at each other's necks, at each other's throats. What should we do? Dear friends, beloved, let us love 
one another. So let me, um, let me get into, this is, this is pretty cool. Um, the, the ancient Greek sentence begins this way. So maybe you've heard the word agape is the word for this love that has no strings attached to it. And so this, the little literal construction of this, where he says, dear friends, let us love one another, is agapetoi agapomen. And what he means by that is those who are loved, let us love. Those who are loved, let us love. Those who are loved tend to love others because they have this capacity. God is already pouring into them and they believe it deep down in their hearts that they are loved by God. Then we are then motivated to love others. And so we're not commanded to love one another to earn God's, to to become worthy of God's love, but we love one another because we are loved by God. And he says, let us love one another for love is of God. John's emphasis on love among the people of God is, is because God is love. God is love. And if love is of God, then those who claim to be born of God and claim to know God, remember we've already talked about that word being this experiential knowledge of God. It's not just that you know some facts about God, but that you, if you claim to, to really know God, then you love others. John insists that there is something that's given to every believer when we are born of God, when we are born again. And just by way of reminder, John chapter 3, John has that that uh, conversation with Nicodemus where it talks about being born of God, being born of the Spirit. But it's those who are born of God who know God and who love others. And so if we truly know God, then we are going to love one another. And not only is, you know, love is of God, but God is love. There's, um, if you go to my, my Facebook page, um, you're going to find, just this morning, I just posted it, but there was something that Sierra wanted me to create for their wedding. And at first we were, she was thinking, oh, I've seen this on Pinterest. It's a, it's a hexagon shape that could, you know, we can, we could put flowers on it. And, and I was looking at Pinterest and seeing different ideas, but there was one that caught my attention, but I didn't talk, talk to her about it. But then when we started talking again, she was like, Dad, I think instead of the hexagon, I think I want the triangle. I was like, I like the triangle. And so I, I uh, Roger and Bonnie have some close friends um, just north of here where they, they know them from their Taylor University days just a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, they've got some friends in central Indiana. They, they own a farm and he has this reclaimed wood. He, he let me you know take some of it in my pickup truck. And I hadn't used much of it uh, up to this point. This was, I don't know, two and a half years ago that we visited with them. But I had these two pieces of wood that were screaming for me to do something with them. And so I, you know, I, I created just a little backdrop for Sierra and Dan. And the whole idea, and this is something that Michelle and I, when we were mentoring young couples, but it can be true of any friendship or any relationship, that the triangle can be a symbol of two people that as long as they are growing close to God, they'll grow close to one another. God is love and love comes from God. Which, which motivates us, those who are the beloved, those who are loved of God, to then love others. So let's land this plane. He's a air traffic controller by trade. So 
I, I don't know. Uh, for, for those that were here last week and heard Don, Pastor Don speak last week about lavish love. Hmm. I really enjoyed that message. And I took it to heart what he said about homework. And every morning I got up and I asked God, you know, pour your lavish love on me. And then I followed that by saying, and let me show somebody else and let me share that love, that lavish love on somebody else. And it was so weird every day something would come up to where I'm in a one-on-one conversation with uh, a trainee that was struggling with one thing, a lot of self-confidence, and I just sat down and I was able to talk to them for a brief five minutes, and I could see their world change. Another day, somebody else came in who has experienced the loss of a father and has had just a really bad year, and work was just really bad for them, and they were just they were telling me how their boss has just broken them. And we sat and just talked. And I had work I had to do, but God just said, stop, just listen. It's fine. And tears would flow. And it was just a way of just God just saying, here's this one then. If you want to, let me show you how you can pour out my lavish love. And every day it was just something new that just kept happening, kept happening. And when I posted uh, for the podcast, I posted a little note. I said, um, "Have you? do you know what lavish love is like? Or do you ever had that feeling you wanted to know what it felt like? Because a lot of people feel like all they deserve is just this little thimble cup of love, of grace. That's all they feel like. This is all I deserve. And God says, here, let me place you under the Niagara Falls so you know what lavish love is all about Mm -hmm. and that's the symbolism that i so every morning when i get in the shower i just feel that water just pouring down on me and it's like this is that lavish love that don was talking about and this is the love that god is pouring out to us and he tells us it's not just for you because your body can't take it all in you need to share this with others you need to love one another there is a fine line between the world and the people in the world. You used to have a saying, um, hate the sin, but not the sinner. Because that's what God's all about. God loves the world. Let God deal with the world. We just have to deal with the people. Because our existence, the reason we have been created, is not for this world. It's for the heavenly kingdom. We are being prepared for the heavenly kingdom. And our role is to help those alongside of us to get them to the heavenly kingdom as well. So loving those around you. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. Uh, I I might cry. (laughs) It's okay. Um, I did a lot of that before the wedding. Um, But loving, loving those around you is really tied to knowing who's living inside of you. Because if you can continue to remind yourself of how much God loves you, then anything that you've got coming against you, when you remind yourself, and not just remind yourself that he lives in you, but really, I love, I love how Paul says this. He talks about the fact that our bodies are the sanctuaries of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to a building in order to worship God and to commune with the Holy Spirit. You just, you know, you just stop what you're doing, be still, and know that I am God, and remind yourself 
that, uh, uh, of how much God loves you. And then what you begin to do is you are a part of those beloved who then love others. So loving those around you is connected to knowing what's inside you. And sometimes when you do that work of, of just knowing what and knowing who is inside of you, sometimes you're, you're testing what's going on within you as well. Because the voices that we have, um, whether, you know, whether it's from the internet, from podcasts, from, uh, movies and TVs and music. Yeah, we've got all those voices that we can test and, and all those so-called teachers that we can test. But sometimes we need to do as King David did and Lord, test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me. So testing your own thoughts, testing your own voices, because I know we all speak to ourselves. We all talk to ourselves. Are we speaking truth to ourselves? Not just to one another, but are we speaking truth to ourselves? Love those around you is connected to knowing who's inside of you. And when you do the work of knowing what and who is inside of you, you start to test what is true about that one who loves you. Any final thoughts? Yeah, you know, loving someone of this world can be the most difficult thing you will ever do. Because just because you just don't understand why that person is the way they are, why the world is bringing that to you. So loving someone, loving everyone like we're called to do can be so hard because we know that the world is going to hate you. The world, not the person, not the people, but the world itself because Satan, all he wants to do is let you know, hey, as long as I keep you distracted from the truth of Jesus, I'm going to win this over here. But we do have the victory because we know who wins. We know we're on the right side. We know that Jesus and we know that truth of Jesus and that gives us the victory. So when we say the spirit that dwells inside of us is stronger than all of those spirits on the outside out there in the world, take heart in that. Know that we have the victory and it says so in this book right here. Amen. Yeah. So John has just scratched the surface on love. Next week, we um, reflect on the rest of chapter 4 as we take a look at the love that God has for us and what he did uh, to show his love and to demonstrate his love. You do. You do. Did I just say we? Yeah, you do. I I am. I am going to. I will be speaking next week on uh, the rest of John chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 4. Let's let's pray. Father, I pray that uh, just by your very presence, you would help us to test the voices that are around us as well as the voices that are within us, that they would be accurate reflections of who you are and, and what these eyewitnesses have communicated the truth about who you are. I pray, Father God, that you will help us believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that the presence that is living within us, God Almighty, is greater than anything going on around us. And I pray that whether we're facing fears, anxiety, or even just facing some things going on at school or at work, or maybe even even in our family life, Lord God, I just pray that you will help us to be reminded that the one who is inside of us is greater than the one who is in the world. And Lord, I pray that we can 
as we continue to draw close to you and to know how much you love us, help us to not only love the family of God, but to also uh, dearly love those who are uh, not yet in your family. Father, thank you for this reminder of your love for us and your desire to be in relationship with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.